host, Lisa Cordoff. Welcome to the podcast where you can expect inspiring, raw, energizing, and transformative conversations with people on the path of personal evolution. I'm here to really live my life. And if you are too, these conversations are just for you. I'm really glad you're here. Enjoy. I'm so excited to be looking at the face of the gorgeous Samantha Nolan-Smith today. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Through your fancy podcast setup. (laughs) You can just see my face. (laughs) We do what we have to do, don't we? The we do what we have to do to be visible, visible. to be heard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a beautiful segue from the quickest introduction in the world into the topic that we're going to be discussing today. Um, and it's funny because I was actually thinking when you first came on my radar, was this what you were talking about? And I've probably known you for, I don't know, known of you and then sort of been in your vortex for the last maybe three years four years, but you've, you've kind of evolved a lot. Um, and, and your message. And I thought maybe it would be interesting to just kick off with that. Like, how did you get to be talking to women about visibility and being seen and the importance of that? Like why that? Because you are a very multifaceted, um, educated, evolved woman. I respect you so much and um, your, like through your own personal journey and then your varied work life and how you live your life, what matters to you and the way that you speak up, like just your tone and what you bring to particular conversations. I'm always like, what do I Sam will be thinking about this. Um, so I'm always like checking your Facebook feed to just see because I like your reflections. And uh, But tell us how you kind of got to this point. Why this right now? Well, I definitely wasn't talking about visibility, certainly not when I first started my business. I was all talking about alignment then because for me it was all about I had been living out of alignment. I had... I didn't know I was, but my body was telling me because I was sick. I had chronic fatigue. I'd had it for a few years. I didn't know at that time that that was because essentially my body, my mind, and my soul were not on the same page. Mm. And so I had taken some time in the process of healing from chronic fatigue to get into alignment, to really, and part of that was really owning my power. It was owning my vision for what my life could be. Mm -hmm. And that felt truly terrifying for a long time because part of that was actually stepping out of safe world of being an employee and, you know, having that regular salary and all of that kind of stuff and moving into the online space or moving into running my own business. I just... I never wanted to go anywhere near that. And I, so I was resisting, resisting, resisting. And my soul was kept pulling me forward, pulling me, pulling me, pulling me. And when I eventually said yes to that, which was not an easy task and took me years to say yes to it, I realized, oh, this is what everybody needs. And so 
doing that and teaching that, teaching people how to get into alignment, how to listen to those quieter parts of our being, our bodies, how to really actually honor our bodies, respect that, listen to our souls, which has another voice again. As I was doing this work, people were saying, I want to, uh, I'm interested in building business, a, a business like you, because I'm really interested in these kinds of things, but I have no idea how to do this online. Uh, so then I moved into doing teaching people about that, but how to do it in a very particular way, which was in alignment. Mm. And as I was doing that for a few years, I realized there's a block here. Everybody's getting to a certain point and then they're getting stuck. And some of it was money and people were doing money work. And I was like, it's not money. It's something else. Mm. And I started to get this idea. Oh, they're terrified of being seen. They're terrified of being heard. They're so worried about being judged. And then I, and so I started talking a little bit about visibility, which I, when I say visibility, what I mean is being seen and being heard in the world. So sometimes it's about finding your voice. Sometimes it's about feeling comfortable about your appearance. It's all the bits. Yeah. And so I was, I started talking about this. People started really resonating with it. And then I went off to World Domination Summit in Portland, Oregon. I was there with Chris Gillibo and the invitation went out to the crowd to just really sit with what is your purpose for life going forward? What's really the thing you will anchor into moving forward from here? This was 2016. It was like really heightened time in America. It was the Trump Clinton campaign was coming, was, was just a few months away. It was, it was a really interesting time to be in the States. And I sat down, I closed my eyes and I just said, well, what is it? I was feeling pretty in alignment at that point. Like I was feeling really in alignment at that point. I thought I'm on my path, you know? Mm. And as I closed my eyes, I got these words, make the invisible visible. And I just, even now when I go back to it, I feel quite overwhelmed emotionally biased. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I just, tears started pouring down my face. I was like, this is it. This is it. And the reason that I wanted to tell it in that sequence with, I got into alignment first Mm. is because I think that people can hear that story and think, oh, well, that's really easy for her. She just got a message and then she knew to work on her visibility. But it took years of getting into alignment in order to be ready to receive that and to be able to then run with it. And so then coming back from the States and and having that, and I sat with it, I was like, well, I don't exactly know the parameters of this, but I'm just going to start talking about this all of the time. And as I started to talk about it, started to talk about it, more and more people kept saying, oh, this is actually my issue as well. And that's when I started to really dive into why is visibility such a big issue for women? And what have you found? Because I, I, I think, you know, I have my own ideas as visible as I am and as, uh, as comfortable as I can be in front of a camera on a podcast, sharing certain things. I absolutely have visibility blocks. Um, what have you found are the key reasons why women want to stay invisible, unseen, don't use their voice? I think that there are 
a, a number of contributing factors. And certainly at the School of Visibility, we look at three very specific ones, which are really important. Uh, one is your individual circumstances. So it's about you went off to school one day and you put your hand up. The teacher said, who's got an idea about this? You put your hand up and everybody laughed at your idea or the teacher said, no, that's not right, Lisa, or something like that happened. And you got the message, I, I can't be seen in this way. I can't be seen to speak up in this way because I'm going to feel embarrassed, ashamed, whatever it is. I'm going to get it wrong. So that's the first layer. We've all got stories around that. Every gender, every every human being has stories around that. Yep. And then as women, which is that's the second influence that we look at, is it's really the influence of living in a patriarchal society where we have been conditioned. And we have to remember that patriarchy is over four and a half thousand years old as a system of thought. So it has been embedded in every woman generation after generation after generation for centuries and centuries and centuries. And what that's mean, we know now that trauma gets embedded in ourselves. We know science actually has been able to demonstrate this to us now. And we have the same thing happening with regard to the messages that women get around how important our voices are, how um, intelligent we are, whether we have any value in the public sphere. And of course, up until the 20th century, we were invisible from the public sphere. We were completely invisible. We've just occupied the private sphere. And it took us really, took us to the suffragettes and then the second wave of feminism to really, for women to really say, hey, we have a place in the public sphere. And we are, we are the great beneficiaries of that. We, we really benefit from the work women did to get us to this point. And sometimes we, we think that means that we have no problems. We're fine. I can get a job if I want it. You know, I can, I can start a business if I want it. I can put a Facebook page up if I want it. And so for me, the thing that I think is really important to understand is one of the biggest frontiers at this point is the internalization of patriarchal thinking. Mm. Yes, we have broken down a lot of the barriers. There's still many to go. I'm not going to pretend that there aren't, um, but we've broken a lot of them down but we haven't learned how to break down the patriarchal thinking within. Mm. And this is where all the years that I spent doing personal development work really informed all the years that I spent in social justice and as a lawyer and really thinking about systemic change and how to create change at that level. And, and it's not an accident that I have being able to bring these things together. This is how every woman and every man's life works is that we have these experiences and eventually, eventually it makes sense. Exactly. (laughs) Eventually. Takes a while in the wilderness. And so, and so this is why when, when I say to you, for example, well, just say something to your boss. Just say something to, just speak up to your husband. Just um, just say no or just put yourself forward for the promotion or put yourself forward for the award. Women invariably go, me? No, I, I can't do that. And when you think about how we've been conditioned from childhood to be good girls, 
to do the right thing, to not cause waves, to not be, we don't have a saying in our society, girls will be girls. The the saying boys will be boys is the ultimate permission slip. And we've seen it go very badly the other way. And we've seen that the consequence of that can be really quite terrible behavior. But we don't have any permission slip as as females. We don't have anything. And so we weren't told girls will be girls. We were told be a good girl, be kind, think about others, be polite. And and this generation of mothers is responding to that by very a lot of a lot of of the mothers anyway are responding by saying to their girls do anything be anything you can do it you can you know there all these books like the rebel girls books and so forth that are coming out just showing girls what's possible and mm. that's the other piece of the puzzle is we haven't had we haven't had those role models so mm. when we see the prime ministership and we see that only one prime minister in australia has been a female that tells us we internalize that information and we have to overcome the story that the prime ministership is a male's job in order to even imagine ourselves in the role. Then if there's never been or there's just the one and she doesn't look or sound like you, you have to overcome another barrier, which is, oh, Maybe I could be there, but it requires such a level of imagination and audacity almost mm. to to think to yourself, I could do that. Even though I don't see anybody who looks like me having done that in the past, somehow I can put myself into that position. And this is what we see extraordinary human beings do this, but I want everybody to do this. Mm. I don't just want the extraordinaries to do it. I want every child that that is born to think that could be me too. And that's where you get to the third part. And this comes down, the third part that we look at around visibility is around our ancestral influences. We look at ethnicity, we look at culture, we look at race, because all of these things also play into how visible we are or aren't. And so even when you take women as a group, of course, there are wildly different experiences around visibility within that space. And as a white woman myself, I have a very particular experience around having my voice recognized or respected in some spaces by virtue of my whiteness, but not by virtue of my gender. So I sit in this interesting world between privilege and non-privilege. But if I'm a woman of colour, I am disrespected on both fronts. I am not heard by virtue of my gender and I'm not heard by virtue of my race. And so this is the third piece that we look at is how do all the intersecting pieces at And when I'm talking about intersecting pieces, I'm talking about if you're a member of the LGBTIA community, you understand what what voice is all about. You understand particularly what visibility is all about because you walk down the street every day and you do not feel as comfortable holding the hand of your partner as all the straight people do. Similarly, there is not a person with disability in the world who doesn't understand visibility issues implicitly in every cell of their being because they are, in my opinion, others may differ on this, but I I think that people with disabilities have the greatest visibility issues of all groups of people in society. 
So that's what I've discovered <laughs> around all of this influencing simple things like having a different opinion to other people and expressing it, for example. I just, I'm just like, okay, we could be, let's just, I needed to pack a lunch for this and I needed to, we needed to be, I needed to, we need to have a toilet break because we could honestly be here for hours talking about this stuff. And it's truly fascinating. And you are one of, you're one of the people who has brought the concept of privilege to my attention. Um, because I can remember thinking, I can remember saying to people, um, I'm going to be the first, I used to say I'll be the first woman prime minister in Australia. I had no concept of, of a glass ceiling. And I realize now through chats with you and observing you and, and also my own research that's happened on the back of that is, um, that's because I sit from a place of extraordinary privilege. Of course, um, growing up white, suburban, Melbourne, um, you know, private education. Yeah, I'm going to feel that. But it doesn't mean that I don't have um, visibility issues in other areas of my life or that, (laughs) um, you know, the way that I feel like I show up is is truly um, from that place of um, my highest self. So we think all Sorry. got different, all got different levels. But I think until until that, um, I guess, um, cloak was taken off, and well, I could just see myself for what I was. I couldn't actually enter the conversation of visibility because I had no idea how privileged I was. I think that's massively important for every human being to understand because I really think that. I've thought about this a lot and almost everybody has some level of privilege and some level of, uh, and is lacking privilege on some level. Some people have way more, if you think of it as a, a seesaw, some people are way heavier on one side than the other. But the, if we're talking here about stepping fully into your power, you have to explore it all. So to me, the journey of unpacking your own privilege is an essential part Mm. of becoming a fully sovereign being who really operates from the fullness of their power. But we don't have a lot of models around that. Mm. We don't, we Mm. don't have a lot of how to's around how to do that. Mm. And as you say, we're in the phase now, which I am so grateful to be in where actually it's, it's awareness raising. It's about, Oh, this is a thing. And this is a part of how I see the world and how I then am seen in the world. And I think that it's so important to, to approach that from a place of self-compassion and compassion for others. And then the more that you can do that and know that this is a journey that you take that benefits you first and foremost, and then as a consequence of benefiting you, you change as a person and then society as a whole benefits from Mm. that. Mm. That I think is really important uh, to understand. But what you said about, and and that was the piece I was was jumping in there, was where you said, I didn't know how to show up as my highest and best. Like I just don't know how to do that. And I just wanted to pick up that piece as well because that's the other bit that I think that we don't 
or we, we just accept as a part of life, which is you show up to work, you're expected not to have emotions that are maybe a little bit of like smile and a little bit of frown, but not too much. Don't upset anybody too much. So we live in this world where we're not, uh, we're not only not expected, we're discouraged from being our full self. Mm. We're encouraged to just show the professional parts of ourselves or to play a role in each and every environment that we go into. And breaking that down and coming to a place of self-acceptance that actually this is who I am, this is, this is how I am in the world, and it's okay to be me in all of those spaces, that's its own journey. And to me, that's a journey of visibility. That's a journey of seeing yourself coming to understand and accept yourself and then allowing yourself to be seen for that in the world. And that's a really radical act in a world that's full of people who are hiding out. And this is what I wanted to, to, to talk about next um, because it is radical and it's actually really hard. Like it's not, it's not an easy process to get to. Uh, I have found at least. Uh, And and, because I'm not fully there yet. And that's why I created this podcast in particular to just have conversations around this because I can show up as a brand or, you know, as a, as a well curated message so that I can help the people who want to benefit from that. But also I'm a whole human being who is exploring life and ideas and I'm multifaceted and, uh, and evolving. And I just can't not like present that. But I wanted to to ask you, when it comes to shifting this and the importance of making the invisible visible, what do you think is happening in women's individual lives? Like how does this play out? So how does these, you know, the individual circumstances, the patriarchal system, the ancestral influences once we're aware that we're playing amongst all this, then, but like, how is it playing out at an individual level and also at kind of, at, if not national, global level? Like, why are you so passionate about this? What can change if we start to remove the visibility blocks? How it's playing out at the individual level is, and by the way, the the key to changing it is to become aware of it. That's like 90% of the game. Mm. Once you've got mm. awareness, mm. you've got a little bit of work to do, but you're really so far along the path then. But how it's playing out is, so for example, I have a student who for her entire life could not speak up to her father, just felt like she he was very dominant in her space. He was she wasn't able, she literally felt like strangled in her throat to, to say anything that was a different opinion to him. And she just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller in his space, in his environment. And eventually she sort of distanced herself from them because she didn't know how to be herself with him. So she was like, the only way I can be myself is to not be even near him. And then she started, she came about uh, maybe 18 months ago, she started working at the School of Visibility and she started doing block clearing and block clearing, block clearing. And about six months ago, she reported back to us and she said, I have to tell you, I've just been at my parents for the weekend. And I, for the first time in my life, started saying things, my own opinion about 
social circumstances, about political, about everything. She said, I just started speaking up about everything. (laughs) And she said, and I felt so fine about it. I was like, if he can't, if he can't react, if he's not going to respond well to this, this is not my thing. It's his. Mm. And I can just be the woman that I actually was born to be. Mm. And I don't have to hide anymore around him. Mm. And I cried when I read that because I was like, did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so yeah. I was so thrilled. I was so thrilled. And she said, This is a, you know, this is something that I have I never ever thought I would be able to do this. And I can see it's gonna massively transform my relationship with my whole family. Because then there was, you know, different things with her brother and speaking up to her brother and so forth. You know, the the differences that are made as a consequence of doing visibility block clearing work are incredible. I had another student who had terrible fatigue. She didn't realize that actually the fatigue was so influenced by, absolutely, there were health things. There were, you know, there's nutritional things. She'd done all of that stuff. And she was like, but I was still so exhausted. And she said, I didn't realize until doing this work, it was because I could not set boundaries. I could not say no, Mm. because I was so afraid of being seen as the one who was troublesome or the one who wasn't compliant and wasn't the nice person and whatever. And she said, I had all these stories about how I was supposed to behave. And then I did this work and I realized I'm exhausting myself every day by trying to please everybody else. Mm. And she said, once I could stop doing that, she said, I, I, my energy levels are like completely different, completely different. So that's, that's just two examples of how it's playing out, plays out in lots of ways in the online space with businesses and so forth. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. really, that's where the rubber meets the road because oh, and <laughs> you're you know, putting I, yourself I, forward. I mean, I used to run a, a program about helping people get on video and you were a part of that program because I'm like, these, they know what to do and they're not doing the thing. And, yes. and, and you're not going to die if you do a Facebook Live. But there was just, there's just so much to, un- to unpack around that for people. Yeah, it's not a, unfortunately, it's not a quick fix. It mm. takes time. But that's why I like to talk about to get a full picture of the influences here because you can't change that overnight. Like you can't just do one like visibility clearing process and then you're like, oh, I'm all free now. I can do it. I'm like completely liberated from it all. That's just, it's not the way it works. And that's not what this generation, our generation is here for. Our generation is here to do that very steady and consistent process of clearing, seeing and clearing, seeing and clearing, seeing and clearing. We are paving the way for the new world. And we're the laborers of that. Like we're doing the labor, the heavy labor of all of that. It is tiring. <laughs> Can I just say? But when, when women come into Ready for Change as well, it's like, you know, this is peeling layers of an onion. This is not a silver bullet, but you will get tools so that you can continue. This work will continue your entire life. We are all living by these subconscious stories these and you know and we have so many stories around visibility and um so many blocks like this is not this is not a quick fix i can teach you and then you do the work 
and stay in the work. You got to stay in this because otherwise nothing really changes. No, you just repeat the cycle. You just over repeat the and cycle. Over and, over. And, and I feel, do you, so, so at a, like sometimes I just don't know if it's because this is where I'm at or where, whether this is the people who I talk to all the time, you know, people like you, um, is that it feels like that there's this collective consciousness rising thing going on. We're seeking it out as, as a generation of women. Do you think that that's just because this is my circle or do you feel that happening at a, at a, at a much more societal level? Oh, I think it's global and it's societal. Okay, I think yeah. I think that even I think it shows up in a very particular way in the circles that we hang out in. Yeah. But I also happen to think that the circles we hang out in are the the way makers or the that that we're showing the path. And so there's lots of people who are drawn into our communities who feel that call to be a part of the people who actually show the way for everybody else. However, that doesn't mean that everybody else isn't feeling it on some level. They're just, it's just expressing itself in different ways. It's expressing itself. You just have to look at me too to see that was like women from all, all parts of the yes. globe, all different experiences, all different socioeconomic circumstances, races, you know, everything. And, and you could feel in that time when it was really potent the rising of women's voices, mm. that it was just, this is happening. You see it in movies. You see uh, more and more and more movies being made now where women are the main protagonists, where we actually, I mean, we've been sitting on a third speaking role. So women have had a third speaking roles in Hollywood for a long time now. And which seems insane, like so weird. of all the movies. <laughs> like how, what? Don't actually have women speaking. I mean, how does this? Yeah, but that we're that we're that we're unconscious to that yes. has you know, and now that's changing. You know, exactly. So we're seeing it in lots of different spheres. We're seeing women coming out and much more confidently saying, "I'm just going to be unashamedly uh, about whatever the thing is that I'm passionate about," mm. and and running with it. We're seeing it happen in every single industry on some level. So I think that, yes, we have a particular role to play and particularly in, in the role of raising that awareness, but, but then helping people with the tools because awareness, as I said, is massively, massively important. And then there's a next step. You need to then know what to do about that mm. because otherwise you just get stuck in awareness of all of the problems and you feel completely overwhelmed and you feel like, how am I ever going to make change in this? And that can be a visibility block as well. Where we can use that as a story. It's too much. It's too yes. overwhelming. I can't do anything. I'm just one person. But if, but if we can recognize that for what it is, which is a, a good story, we tell ourselves to not take action. <laughs> yeah. And we can use those tools that you that you share. There's tools that I share, tools that so many, you know, we, we're so lucky now that we have so many tools to help us to turn within, clear out blocks, become more empowered. Yeah. Once we then use those, then that's when we see genuine change. And that's where I think your question about, well, how can this create change in the world? Uh, my personal belief is 
we are becoming different people. We're collectively becoming more conscious as 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 a species. We're becoming more compassionate. We're and in order to do these things, we're becoming more connected to nature. We're becoming more connected to one another. We're rebuilding the things that have been broken down through systems uh, that variety of systems, including patriarchy, that have have stripped us of so much. I just, I just, I just am like, stop, just keep talking. Uh, Don't pause. Just keep talking all of the things because I feel like uh, we, this is, this is the type of conversation also that, um, that can wake us up. Even as I hear you just talking, just saying these words, I am feeling like a fire being lit in my belly in terms of areas where I'm not showing up and where I have let fear get in the way or, you know, and sometimes some of the important conversations that I think uh, we could be having, I don't want to get it wrong, especially in the area of privilege and that sort of thing, because you know, do I know enough? And la, 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 la. who am I to be? We've all got, and it, it's like we overcome them in certain areas, and then they appear in someone else's areas. So, tell it, tell me a little bit, and because I'm sure people want to go check out the School of Visibility too. But um, where, or like, what's your processes? What have you found most effective tools to to help women overcome, and what's worked for you to to overcome these these kinds of blocks? So there's the there we take a four step approach at the School of Visibility, and some of that's specifically for women who are working online. So one of the steps is around being actually being strategic about being visible, and that's in response to the concern that lots of people have who are operating online, which is I'm totally overwhelmed. You, everybody's telling me to show up in all the places and I yes, <laughs> I just can't do that. And so we end up in this sort of paralysis around that's induced by overwhelm. So that's one element that we look at. Then we look at how do we build habits? And the habits, I think habits are so underestimated and oh. so, so important. <laughs> habits are like 90% of what we do. Everything, Everything's habit. Yes. If you're not if you're not concentrating on your habits, you're not going to change anything. Yeah, and yet I always feel like it's not sexy. Like somehow it's not like oh. the big thing that people are like, "Oh, habit, that's it. You're right. It's the habits." <laughs> no one wants to hear that they have to change their habits. Oh my god, I've literally made it my whole business to help people change their habits. Yeah. So we so we look at two types of habits. We look at okay, what are your actual visibility habits? Habits. Or yes. What are your indivi- your what are your invisibility habits? So mm. how are you staying invisible? Because maybe one of your habits is I get distracted. I've got shiny object mm. syndrome. I'm doing this. So I'm doing all the bits. I feel very busy, but I'm not actually making myself any more visible. Yes. So that's oh. one. Yes. <laughs> Sing that's it, sister. Whole- that's a whole investigation, right? You can't- I'm just like, everyone with their online businesses, go and see Sam right now. Yeah. So that's one element. But then the other bit links to what we were talking about, about the tools. The other habit that I really want people, and this really gets more to the, to the point of your question, 
is to develop the habit of using personal development tools every single day. And I literally mean brush your teeth, do your personal development, brush your teeth, do your personal development. Like just don't make it this really, I grew up in a world where, you know, people never talked about going to see a therapist or doing any of that because that was deemed to be shameful. And I think, I think we're past that. I don't know because I live in a world where, (laughs) where it's very normal. Who doesn't have someone that they speak? Yeah. Yeah. But, But I think the next phase of that is empowering you to have the tools to use them yourself every day in your life. Yes. And so often I'll teach tools. One of the tools that I love is called non-personal awareness. I use compassion key. These are things that I'm trained in where these are very short, sharp, deeply effective tools that you can use in literally five minutes. And these were the tools I went searching for at a time where I got really interested in not having people feel dependent on coming to me to do the clearing work, but really I wanted to step them into a place where they were really powerful in their own lives. I had clients who were saying to me, I do such amazing clearing with you. But then the other day I was at the shop and I really needed something. I was panicking and I didn't know what to use. And I was like, hang on, hang on. How come you don't know what to use? Use what we did in the session. And I realized, oh, they need to be stepped through that. They need to develop the habit in the way that I am using these tools literally at Coles. Like I'm using them as I'm driving the car. I'm using them when my children are screaming at me. You know, I'm using them all day, every day. Yeah. So that's the second lot of things we do. We build those habits. I love that so much because, and I'll let you keep going, because I think one of the number one things that I get asked from people is, um, you know, how do you stay on track or how do you just, how does this just become who you are? And, and I just keep saying things also just like sticky notes, um, put it on the screensaver of your phone. I don't find any way you can to stay in it because your brain will habitually go back to the old stuff. It, I mean, it doesn't want to step outside its comfort zones. So if you know you've got little bits and pieces that help you, remind yourself of them. Put it, put that shit everywhere. That's why being in your community is so important. That's why staying in spaces where everybody else is doing, doing it this, and they're yes. doing it on a regular basis is massively important. Yeah. But also listening to this podcast, like being in spaces, listening, surrounding yourself constantly with people for whom this is normal. Yes. And then you catch it from them Mm. because suddenly you don't feel like you're going against the grain. You feel like you're going with the flow. Yeah. And that's critical to the whole thing. So so this the is habits. all part of it. This is why yeah. this is so important. Then we then we move on to clearing the blocks. And that's really those three areas that I spoke about. We really dig deep. We you know, we do investigations around what were my personal stories, what are my gendered expectations of myself, what are my racial and ancestral um, what are my, my racial stories that I've got and what have also are they to other people? So we do a little bit of unpacking of um, privilege there uh, for those who experience privilege. Uh, and then, but then we also look at this ancestral line. So for example, my, um, one of my uh, grand, great, 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 whatever, grandfather was a convict. So when I go back through that lineage, there is a very important silencing uh, influence there where he was was accused of something which to his dying day he 
he refuted. He was brought to a, brought to a country that wasn't his own. He was imprisoned for seven years. He, you know, he just went on and on and on like this. And that lineage and that DNA trauma has been passed down generation by generation. It's important that somebody in the lineage clears it and breaks it. Mm. And so I look at that as well. I look at my ancestors who came from Ireland during the famine and they came from a country where they were starving and then they came to Australia and the British imperialist system just imposed itself on them here as well. And so I look at, well, what does that mean? Because Irish Catholics traditionally haven't felt particularly empowered in Mm. relation to the English specifically. And so I look at that, that, uh, lineage and I look at what that means for myself and what I'm still carrying around around that. And then we use lots of different tools from whether it's um, tapping, if people know emotional freedom technique, we use, mentioned a couple of the others, non-personal awareness, compassion key. Uh, we use, I because I was trained as a yoga teacher, I have lots of yogic practices that I support people with. We clear and we clear and we clear. Those months are m- big months because we're just like... <laughs> Yeah. And then the final thing, which I think is really important for everybody is we look at these three areas of visibility, being seen, being heard, and then being fully expressed. And they each have a very different flavor to them and, and people respond quite differently to each of them. And so being seen brings up all of the distressing experiences we might have had around our physical form, around not being the prettiest or being told that you had, I don't know, um, ugly. I was told by one boy I had the ugliest knees he'd ever seen. So of course I have to clear that out, you know, (laughs) lovely. Um, uh, you know, all of that, all of that, any kind of, um, relationship that we might've had with, the food that we eat and how we eat the food. And so anorexia and, and bulimia and all of that comes up in the I am seen category. We have, we have some women in our community who've had some terrible experiences where being seen has resulted in being harmed in some way. So all of that comes up mm. and is, is clear. Then we look at I am heard. And this is, this is my favorite because I love, I love talking. <laughs> You'd never know it, would you? (laughs) But I also, you know, I realize, oh, that's one of my great strengths, you know, from years of being a lawyer and a social justice advocate, the voice was something that I really, really worked on Mm. at probably unconsciously a lot of the time, but I was really fell into it. And, and that's really about expressing your opinion. It's about being confident enough to share an idea. It's about knowing that you have something important that needs to be taken out to the world and that you're the only person who can say it in the way that you're going to say it. And that is going to resonate with some people in a way that it will never resonate. Even if 20,000 other people speak it, you're the voice they need to hear. So that's what the I am heard is all about, Mm. is working through all of that. And then I'm fully expressed is just a beautiful thing that I would love everybody on the planet to experience in the sense of living a fully expressed life. And that's where you get to this point of, it wasn't until I had done the fully expressed work that I realized, oh, that's why I have this background in social justice and personal development. That's why these things are supposed to come together under the umbrella of visibility. I could not pull all of that together until I had cleared out all of the stories around 
that's separate to that. It has nothing to do with that. These things Mm. aren't supposed to talk to one another. Obviously, that was just a period in my life that doesn't relate to anything I'm doing now, blah, 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 you know. So we look at, so that's the final component is looking at those three elements and then coming really into the embodiment of those three energies and really living from a place where you are fully seen, fully heard, fully expressed. Oh, it's hallelujah. Like, that's I mean, my favorite it's bit. The whole, it's the holy <laughs> grail. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for this. I'm just like, you know, all the tingles, all the shivers in my body, just listening to those things. And I actually feel a little bit um, e- like emotional even hearing it. Um, you know, I have my, um, my mastermind, my business mastermind crew, and I've worked with lots of women with their own online businesses over the years. Smart, amazing world changers who can get trapped by themselves and these stories and, and blocks and all that sort of thing. And, uh, and the world needs them. The world needs all of us. But, uh, you know, th- and this is stuff I've had to stare down um, when I made that transition from talking sort of solely about about food to then talking a bit more about um, mindset and and sharing and, you know, and even just sharing. I remember the time I posted on Facebook that uh, it was last it was 2019. It was the night before Mother's Day, and I posted that it was going to be my first Mother's Day as a um, like solo parenting, and that um, Nick and I had separated. And um, the work that it takes to get to a point to be able to to do stuff like that, to be able to go, hang on, my message is changing. Hang on, I'm not the same as I was. Hang on, I'm actually going to share that some big shit is going down, and. And I'm still here and I'm, I'm, and I'm here like in it for you because like it, it can be one of the most frightening things. And yet I feel <laughs> it's also the thing that helps other people most. Those most personal things are the most general and it's all women. And it's not just about, um, it's not just about, uh, you know, the individual circumstance. So for example, um, um, marriage separation or solo parenting, even death. Uh, it's the universality of women requiring and needing other women to just stand in themselves and say, this is what's going on and this is who I am. And, and I'm unafraid, even yes. although... Um, it feels scary. I'm also unafraid to be here as this right now. And it's a gift. It's an absolute gift that you give the world. But it's, yeah, but we, we have to do a lot of work in order to be able to get to that place. I don't think people really understand that. I think you're looking for I think you have to do a lot of work and I think that people underestimate how much work people have done Mm. to get to the point where they can be that open and that vulnerable. And that's the thing that I think is really important to understand is that when you speak up, you have no 
control over the way people respond to you. And that's often the fear point, right? It's like, how are people going to respond? I can't. So I'll keep it small with a small group of people I know who love me or will respond well or da, 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 da. But the bigger you get and the more that you uh, express your opinions, invariably people would disagree with you at the best. They might also be really rude to you. They might be violent toward, verbally violent toward you. There's all sorts of things that can happen. And all you've got in that moment is your own integrity and your own knowing that this must be expressed. This has to be spoken into the world. So I had an experience a few years ago. I had written a piece that I called, I'm not depressed, I'm enraged. And it was about... I remember um, that. I remember it was, I wrote it at like two o'clock in the morning when I had breastfed my baby and I was so mad at how little support women get after giving birth to a child. And I had had some support and I'd had a midwife come for a certain period of time and whatever. So this was past that. This was like, you know, four or five months in. And, and I was really reflecting on the fact that a lot of the for a lot of women, it's not depression. It's that they've suppressed rage. Yes, it's rage that they need to feel. <laughs> yes, rage. Yes, and I was tapped in. I was oh, like, you are in your rage, rage zone. <laughs> so I wrote it on my phone because I didn't want to wake anybody else in the house. So I'm tapping away with my thumbs on my phone, writing this thing. I was just in rage, and I wrote it, wrote it, wrote it. Then I shared it in my. Um, with my students at the time in a different program. And, uh, and a couple of the women said, oh my goodness, could we share this more publicly? This is it. This is everything. And I had to sit with that for some time. Mm. I honestly, I, I didn't think it was controversial. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I thought, okay, do I want this to be made public? Yeah, okay. I, you know, ran it past my husband because I thought, well, it's a bit private. There's a little bit in there that, you know, and he was like, go for it. I'm so proud of you. Do it, do it. So then I popped it on my um, Facebook page and lo and behold, that ended up being a, it got showed to over a million people organically by Facebook. Yeah. It was like it gets a million views organically. Like it's insane. (laughs) It was shared seven and a half thousand times. You know, it was just it was just extraordinary. You get thousands of comments. And that was, so there was a journey to get to the point where I could express that in the first place and express it in a way that others could hear. Yes. And it really touched them because mm-hmm. it spoke to their personal experience, right? So that was that first piece. Then the second learning was how do you now deal with everybody else having an opinion about your private life? And that's a really different point in your visibility journey where you realize this is now public property. What I have done is I have expressed myself and that's actually kind of the end of my part in this particular, with this particular thing. I now hand it over to the planet and it will serve whatever purpose it's here to serve from this point forward. And that actually doesn't have anything to do with me. Yes. It's actually impersonal at that point. Yes. It It took me a little while to work that out though. Yeah. It took your personal develop, your growth, your evolution and mastery of language even, but then it becomes not about you. 
it has a life of its own yeah. and then that's the point at which you have to let it go and Both. let it have that life. Yeah. And it's, it's hard because it feels very personal and, oh. you know, people, I have had crazy things said to me, like people saying your children should be taken away to, you know, to the Department of Community Services oh, or this grief. or that, all sorts of horrible things. Oh, your husband must blah, 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 you know, yeah. all this projection, projection, projection mm. onto me. And uh, this is where the habit of personal using personal development tools really comes into its own because this was a Christmas time when we were, this was blowing up and it was everywhere and loads and loads of people were private messaging me and they were saying, it's in my mother's group now, it's in my mother's group now, it's in my mother's group, you know, it's all over the place. And I was trying to have a holiday with my, with my family and I was a year past the point that I had written it. So there were all these people coming in going, oh, you okay? You okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm totally over that. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't have done. But then other things were triggering me about what people were saying. So I was constantly, pretty much the whole time I was clearing, I was clearing, I was clearing. I was like giving myself compassion, giving myself compassion, using all the tools I had to just let the whole experience be really clean. And I just kept putting out an intention, which was get it to the women who need to hear it, get it to the women who need to hear it. Yeah, it's going to make me upset because then, then I had all these women come back and say, I had a woman come and say, "You have literally saved my life today," and I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, the power of word, words. the power of the voice." I know, I know, it's amazing. I had I met up with someone who I haven't spoken to for years and years and years, and she said, "Lisa, I listened to your episode four of your podcast, and I knew my marriage was over, and you got me out of." And I was like, don't even. And uh, and that's where I've had to be like the same is uh, I'm just going to share my truth and it will have the impact that it's going to have. And it's, I don't know, it's scary when you, when you realize that other people just need people to validate or to express what they haven't been able to express. And, and that that does have power, but then it feels like a, it feels like a responsibility. Um, but I just keep coming back to, to me and what feels right by me and just checking in, checking in, checking in all the time. There's so much that I haven't shared about my journey the past few years. And, you know, I know you and I have had WhatsApp conversations about this. Um, and it's just, you know, you also know when you're ready and when it's time to share things and you can't push things because what happens out in the world when something does go out there is like a tsunami of stuff and, and you have to be ready for that. I think you have to be healed, sufficiently healed from yeah. your own story yeah. to then have it shared and not be destroyed by that. Yeah. So, so sharing at a point, sharing preemptively or too early or pushing your story out into the world, I don't think that ever really works, works. In, in your favor. But do you, do you, I think about women who have to stand up in courts and, 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 and share the, the trauma that they've experienced and that, that, that might be on TV or something like that. And I just think, oh, how are they even? How, how, I mean, it's just, it's a re-traumatization over and over and over again. And the whole system needs looking at because it's just, it's deeply inhumane on so many levels. It's, it's horrible. Mm. But I think the other thing that's really important is when you feel it coming up and you're like, you've got to speak about this, you've got to speak about this, you've got to speak about this. One of the things I talk to my students is about is you've got to get 
to the point where you're looking less at the people who might be really upset by what you say and more at the people who really need to hear what you have to say. And when you can shift your focus entirely to these people need to hear this, then you're, you're, you're so ready because you're just like, yes. And you're, and you're doing it for all the right reasons. Everything's in alignment at that point, but there might need to be a little bit of clearing work around these other people who, you know, might not respond well and around just letting them go. And sometimes that's forgiveness work. And sometimes that's really, you know, really sending them off in peace. And what happens for myself, what has happened for myself is when I've spoken up about things that I know some people, it will trigger some people. I, I really check in with what's my deepest intention for sharing this in the first place. Is it to have a niggle at them or is it actually there's something to share here that there's a, there's an energy around it. It wants to be shared with the world. I check that first of all. I send love. I send compassion to the people that I know are going to be triggered by it. I cut energetic cords. So I close my eyes. I imagine the energetic cords between us. I cut, get, get a divine being to help me cut them. I do all of that. And then I say, I'm sending this out with the highest and best. Like, I just want this to go out with the highest and best. And I think that that little ritual that I have really helps with the delivery and the response. Mm. they might still be incredibly upset about it, but I do not hear it. Mm. (laughs) I do not see it. I do not, I'm not a part of it. They don't, you know, and if I am, it's because there's something there that's helpful for me in my own visibility journey around, Mm. oh, there was something there that I could have, you know, maybe I wasn't really as clean as I thought I was around my intention, blah, 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 or I learned something else. So I think that having little rituals like that is really helpful in those moments when you're really feeling nervous mm. around speaking And that up. can happen in just a, a conversation with a boss, a conversation with a partner, a conversation with a friend. I mean, we all get those those confrontational type conversations or when you know you're going to have to speak and, and someone might not appreciate you speaking up or it's easier to just sweep it under the carpet. You know, this isn't actually happening. But then that, that calling, what you said, you know, I need to speak about this. This needs to be said. This needs to be expressed. I'm going to burst if I don't do this. I really love that. I send out this with my heart with the highest and best. I, I really, really like that. And and it, it will be received in the manner in which, like if my intention is is solid, it will be received in the manner it's going to be received. And I have no control over that. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. Oh my God. Did you know that we're just we're going to be catching up in a few weeks? At the I other just time. heard. Yeah. So I'm um, so excited. I just can't <laughs> wait for that. And uh, I, I so appreciate you sharing this. I literally could talk all day, but like really we have to kind of wrap up. Um, so thank you for bringing this topic. Thank you for having a conversation with me about this topic. I feel that this will probably be one of those episodes that maybe people listen to a few times. And if they want more from you, where should they go and find you? They can just come to theschoolofvisibility.com. <laughs> so easy. So easy. It's one of like- the things, actually, one of the things that I teach is simplify to amplify. So oh. I just, I needed to learn that myself. So I needed to keep teaching it until I got it. Oh. <laughs> and then I will it's just got to be, everything has to be simple. And one of the simplest things is where do you find me at the school of visibility.com. Just go there. Go just 
just like sit in all things Samantha Nolan Smith because every time I hear you talk, every time I read one of your posts, it's valuable. It means something. I'm I'm hearing it. I'm probably your target market. So I'm just like just just eating it up all the time. And I appreciate your friendship as well so much. Um, you've been an amazing support to me over the years. So um, go check out the School of Visibility. If you have enjoyed this episode, let us know um, and leave a, leave a comment in iTunes. Write to me and let me know. Um, I have a feeling we're going to have to do a part two on this at some point I've, or another. I've had that feeling too. Yeah. I just want to say I so, so appreciate everything about you, Lisa. Everything. I could go on forever, but I just wanted to say you are an incredible human being and thank you for showing up constantly, continually, even when it's hard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're amazing. Ah, well, you've had a big part in that. So thank you. All right. Love fest over. (laughs) See you. Bye everyone. Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, then it would mean the world to me if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really makes a difference and it's my intention to get as many of us involved in real conversations that really change the game as possible. Thanks so much for your help and I'll see you in the next episode. 